Marvin Goldfried is a distinguished professor of psychology at Stony Brook University, where he helped develop the graduate program in clinical psychology. He's the co-founder of the Society for the Exploration of Psychotherapy Integration. Alan Francis is a professor of psychiatry and chair emeritus at Duke and was chair of the DSM-4 task force. Marvin describes the evolution of his psychotherapy orientation as psychodynamic, behavioral, CBT, and eventually integrative. He practices, teaches, and supervises what works clinically using direct and indirect evidence base. Alan describes his approach to psychotherapy as whatever works or no one size fits all. He was trained and taught at the Columbia University Psychoanalytic Center, but remains equally interested in brief, supportive, cognitive, behavioral, interpersonal, and family therapies. Please enjoy this week's episode. Good morning, folks. This is uh, Talking Therapy with Marv Goldfried and his friend and colleague. Al Francis. Hi, Marv. Alan Francis. So uh, we had a discussion last podcast on uh, case formulation seemed to um, resonate with a number of people. And I thought it would be good to, to get into concrete clinical details about case formulation in the treatment of depression. Okay. And also, you know, uh, bring in some comments ab- about uh, diagnosis of depression. So my feeling, which I kind of shared last time, was that uh, clinical trials for treating different disorders, especially depression, was a 40-year wandering in the clinical trial desert, which gave the wrong information to therapists, that you make a diagnosis and that will allow you to do a treatment. Now, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. Well, I disagree in several ways, Marvin. It's really nice that it took us 10 episodes, but we're finally finding ways to disagree with one another. First off, I think the clinical trials using psychotherapy versus medication for depression were enormously valuable because they showed that medication wasn't really necessary for most milder to moderate depressions. That psychotherapy worked as well as medication did for milder to moderate depressions and also may have had a much more enduring effect than medication. I think that's enormously important in reducing the amount of over treatment with medication in the world. It was also very important in legitimizing psychotherapy for funding agencies. So psychotherapy is now authorized as a treatment for depression in many countries because of these studies. And it might not have been the case otherwise. Okay, did it need 40 years and billions of dollars to demonstrate that? Probably not. I think it was really valuable. Yeah, I think it did need it. I think it was very valuable. And also- I I disagree. Because yeah. we could have also demonstrated that, that uh, exercise and good sleep will work just as well um, as, as meds. Yeah. I think the other thing is that it's important not to see depression as one thing. That's my point. That's why I thought these clinical trials were really totally misguided. Because depression is not one thing. It's not like appendicitis. It's not like some other kind of disease where we know the, the ideological roots and, and we know what does work um, and it's more homogeneous. Depression, and here's, here's my thesis and, and we'll get into case formulation. Okay, 
going to read a statement. Let me know whether you agree or disagree. It's a very general statement, but it's a, it's a starting point. We can say a person is depressed when they do when they do not believe that they have the ability to make a desired impact on their environment, whether it's a social or asocial environment with, uh, involving significant others. Do you agree? It's a very fuzzy, soft definition that doesn't yes. mean much. Yeah, it, okay, is it wrong? It's, it's incomplete. Yeah, it, it, it is wrong in the sense that DSM-3 made a, what I think is a tragic mistake, lumping all depressions under major depressive disorder. But some depressions have an enormous biological component to them. They're characterized by terrible somatic symptoms. By okay. um, I, I'm not talking about etiology. I'm talking about a description. Yeah, but I'm saying so, you, can't, you can't have a description in a few sentences that encompasses at the same time the most severe depressions with melancholia and delusions. Okay. And, you know, I, I lost my job last week and I feel badly about it. But there's yes. not going to be one definition of depression that's going to be able to. Okay. So let me. Let me would, would you be okay if we just relegated the discussion for now to those depressions that are not biologically rooted? Well, again, I wouldn't use the term that some depressions are and some aren't biologically rooted. All to some degree are, but some much more than others. Okay. And then, so then if, um, if you're limiting the discussion today, Marvin, to very mild depressions on the border. Okay, let's the, let's take it at mild, and then and then we'll extrapolate and see if it relates to more severe. Okay. Fair enough. So mild depression, the person does not have the belief that they can behave in a way that will make a desired income uh, impact on their environment. Within that, there are three classes of variables that need to be looked at. Belief, behavior or action, and the nature of the environment. Some people are depressed because they are making an impact on their environment, but their standards are so high, their perfectionism is so great that they don't recognize or process it. They'll say, yes, I did that, but, and they will make an external cause. So it is not a success experience that they store or use. Is that a clinical phenomenon? Sure. Okay, so that's one way to do a formulation. Another is that they just don't have the skills, they're unskilled to make the impact on their environment. So some individuals, for example, who are massively unassertive interpersonally have difficulty in making an impact and getting what they want from others and become depressed and blame themselves. Is that a potential variable or dynamic? Each of the things you're saying, I will certainly agree with because I've seen them over and over again, but I would see each one as only a small percentage of all the possible reasons. Okay. All right. Okay. But, there's a yes, but there, but at least there's a yeah, yes. Sure. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, these are definitely important. Okay, so the target, the target is not so much their belief system that's accounting for the problem or the variance, it's their inabilities. And a third condition, which a lot of people now are talking about, is they're in an environment that can't allow for an impact. 
they're constrained. And we certainly see this with pandemic. We see it with people who are low SES, who are discriminated against, who are marginalized, both socially, economically, health-wise. Okay, so looking at the environment is another way to think about a cause of depression. And way too neglected. And way too neglected, yes. Many people are living in their unbearable circumstances. Absolutely. Where their Absolutely. reactions are perfectly understandable given what they're facing day in and day out. Right, and, and we know that because of what's been going on over the past several years and, and our consciousness has been raised um, uh, politically to, to pay attention to this. So, okay, so here's, here's my beef with clinical trials. Clinical trials do not take this into account. It assumes that depression is depression is depression. And if you make the diagnosis, you then compare with a horse race type of model, one treatment for another, uh, against another. So we'll, we'll compare a cognitively based treatment with a behaviorally based treatment. And what do we find? Probably no difference. And that's the story of lots of lots of psychosocial interventions with depression. No difference. Why? It's because you can say, well, they all have common elements and there's a certain amount of truth to that. They do have common elements. Um, and that is the care and concern and, and validation on the part of a therapist. So while they're in treatment, they may feel better about themselves. Uh, but then what happens is that there's a recurrence or a relapse afterwards. So that's not really a key aspect of intervention that's going to produce the change. It's a temporary fix. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I think here's where we get back to agreement that I think that studies that compare two forms of psychotherapy in a horse race have essentially been useless because they will end up in high scores and because it's not a horse race that any competent therapist should know cognitive techniques, behavioral techniques, interpersonal techniques, why race them against each other. But what I was saying at the beginning is that the, the majority of studies have, or I think the, the, the important studies have compared psychotherapy with meds. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going there. And okay. I'll, I'll give they you, are, they I'll, were essential. I, I agree that that has said something about our belief or disbelief in the efficacy or the effectiveness of medication for treating depression. For and treating, that, that's treating mild depression. Mild depression. Okay. Mild or moderate. Yes. Okay. And, and I, I, we're in total agreement there. Um, so for mild and moderate depression, we may be having a problem in mismatching the intervention for the needs of the patient. It's more the theoretical protocol that says what the intervention is. It's going to do cognitive therapy or it's going to do behavioral therapy or uh, the current flavor is called behavioral activation, but essentially it's behavior therapy. So what happens is that within each condition, we don't know where the key variable for the depression is. In the cognitive intervention, there may be some people where the key variable is cognitive in nature, um, uh, and there may be other people where it's behavioral in nature. In the behavioral condition, it may be the same thing. So what do we get? Error variance. Yeah. And no difference between the two. So I think that is what has happened. And I think 
the movement that is starting now is getting, it get, it is getting back to case formulation. There are more, there's more and more recognition. And I think the jargon is personalizing the therapy to the needs of the patient. And like I say, the needs of the patient, patient it's, it's based on a case formulation of what key variables need to be um, targeted in the intervention. So I, I just have a slightly different way of seeing it. How would you uh, say it? Actually, it's not at all different in seeing it. It's different in stating it. How, how do you state it? So that what I would be stating, the way I would be stating it is that we've established something enormously important, and that is that psychotherapy works for mild to moderate depressions, that most people with mild to moderate depressions shouldn't be getting an antidepressant from their primary care doctor. 80% of antidepressants come from primary care doctors after 10-minute visits, that psychotherapy should be much more available, accessible, first-line treatment. And that was an important discovery. Okay. I think it's equally important to admit that for severe depression, psychotherapy is either not useful because the person can't participate or supportive, and that the people with severe depression will need medication or ECT. Well, I don't know. I, I, I see. I don't know that that's been tested. I have in my clinical work with a few people who were very severely depressed, and they were referred to me by a psychiatrist um, before there was an attempt at, at ECT, and we worked with a psychosocial intervention, and the person got better. Now, it's a case. It could be my wonderful personality that did it, but, but I'm... What, wait, 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 let me finish. Let me finish. What, what I'm saying is that it, you're making a statement but without evidence, we don't know whether or not a psychosocial intervention that is matched according to case formulation can produce a positive impact with severe depression. Yeah, I don't think you know what I mean by severe depression. By You're talking about psychotic depression. Very people who, who are either delusional or, or, or okay. so depressed that they can't talk, they can't think, they can't yes. move, they can't okay. act. If we, if we rule out, and, and you know, the problem with the categorical system is that we have categories rather than variables. You and I had this discussion, I don't know if you remember, over 20 years ago when we were the, uh, on the NIMH study section together talking about... Um, I think it was personality disorders. Um, it was over wine and cheese in somebody's room uh, after the meeting. And we were talking about variables rather than categories. So we're, we're now talking about the variables of depression. Yes, for somebody really at the extreme. I'm not talking about that. And, uh, and I, I say that, I you know, meds I, and, and... I don't want that to be forgotten. Okay. The, the people, not you, Marvin, but many people say no one needs medication, that psychosocial treatments can work for everyone. That's just not true. Well, it's and the it, same as the people who says everyone needs X. Right. You know, it's, it's, no one and everyone is, is clearly an overstatement. It's not well thought out. Right. And the, and the nature of, of uh, case formulation is to prevent us from saying everybody who's depressed needs X. So let me give you cite a study. Uh, and this was a study that pitted behavioral activation with Beck's cognitive therapy. And the behavioral activation was really a beefed up form of behavior, ther 
it was it was behavior therapy. It was not just get up and do things. It was um, stop avoiding and take action. And the people who developed this, um, uh, I, I reviewed the manuscript for JCCP and know the people. And afterwards, I spoke to the people who, who were involved in this. And I said, you know, you talk about behavioral avoidance. Does that include assertiveness or unassertiveness? And they said, most definitely. But it's not clearly spelled out in the study. Or maybe spelled out in the, in the manual. But anyway, the bottom line was that for what they found is no difference between cognitive therapy and uh, a behavioral intervention. However, if the depressed people were more severely impaired, and I don't know how severe that is, but more, it was in somewhere in that category, maybe not delusional. If they were more severely impaired, the behavioral intervention was superior to the cognitive intervention. I think that I can speak for both of us that we agree that the different techniques should be integrated into one uniform conception of psychotherapy. Yes. And that what case formulation would be doing is deciding with the patient, with our understanding of what's worked with other people in studies and in experience, which particular techniques make sense at which particular time. And this will switch over time in the sessions, may even switch within the session. And my experience has been working with people who are terribly demoralized and have given up that getting them to walk a half hour a day is probably the only thing that may make a difference mm -hmm. because they've tried every form of cognitive therapy. They've tried every form of medication and behavioral activation is something that, that maybe will help reverse the demoralization in virtuous cycles. Right. But I wouldn't see this as one technique competing against another. It would be just, this is one thing I do with some depressed people because the formulation suggests that it'll work with them. The next person I see may have tried a lot of behavioral interventions and we haven't really gotten to the cognitions that may be creating a problem. That I see psychotherapy as a uniform thing with lots of different, within it, lots of different techniques. Well, Alan, you're certainly not going to get disagreement from me on yeah. that. And the, the formulation really is to help decide which techniques next? Not right, but here's, forever, here's the but big problem with clinical, with clinical trials. Clinical trials and the DSM have taught us not only what to do, but also how to think about problems. Make the diagnosis, and then we'll try out different forms of treatment. And some of them are ridiculous. So to do a cognitive intervention for somebody who's in an environment Right. where they're challenged, where there's poverty, where there's loss of occupation, where there's all kinds of discrimination. Somebody did research on that. And it was NIMH funded research. And the typical session, the typical intervention for the cognitive intervention with these people was one session. They quit after the first session. But it makes no sense to do this. So why did they do this? And why did the people get the funding for it? Because they have a certain way of thinking. There's depression and there's the treatment. We do the diagnosis. And then this is what medicine's all about. But yeah. it doesn't it doesn't fit here. You know, I agree. This is again, as we talk more, I agree more that. Um, and I see this almost as process research. 
the, for me, the important psychotherapy research was outcome research to determine whether psychotherapy could compete effectively against medication. That was the big ballgame. The studies that compare different psychotherapies, I always thought would fail, and we agree they have. I think the thing I love about you and talking to you about patients is that you're brilliant at case formulation, you're much better than I am. So I, I'm very, I'm, I'm pretty good at treating people, but I'm less good at, than you are at explaining how I do it. Okay, but this is why I'm doing, we're doing this podcast, yeah, where I, I'm trying, I'm trying to help you to become think, more brilliant right. and you're, you're, in you're, your case you're, formulation. You're really excellent at being able to to um, put into theory what I do instinctively, okay. much better than I could put it into words, and much better than I could teach it. But I think what the, the um, disappointment you have with the clinical trials method doesn't make much sense because it was never a method that could have done what you can do. That the brilliance of what you can do is to hone down very clearly and, and concisely and carefully on that individual person and find a hook on which you can begin to plan a therapy. So that, then, then tell cool. me, how come if I'm so brilliant, billions yeah. of dollars and 40 years was spent on clinical trials comparing one form of intervention with another. Actually, uh, not, not that many trials were done and not that much was spent. The, the funding that we began giving out in the 80s dried up by the 90s. It's not something that has, has really been an enormous investment compared to the waste of the NIMH and other things. This was small potatoes. Well, you see, the, the mentality at the NIMH when they, they shifted their focus back in the 80s was they sourced all psychological problems as um, as disorders of the brain. And this, I think, I don't know, you know more about this than I do, as to whether they were in cahoots with pharmaceutical houses yeah. uh, to do this. But I don't think they were in cahoots. I think that they were careerists and they were very, very narrow and reductionistic. But Barbara, let's get to the point I want to make, because I think yeah. this is something I, I'm really interested in getting your opinion on. I think that you have much more hope than I do that any kind of research, however well-funded, could really help us understand what to do in the room with the next patient in a psychotherapeutic way. So you're, you're hoping that this can be made more scientific than I think is possible. Uh, the, the way I distinguish this is nomothetic research, which is research, big numbers with, with comparing groups, with ideographic study of the individual. What you're suggesting, what you do brilliantly, case formulation, is brilliantly done with individual people the way you do it. I, Are don't, you saying, uh, I don't think it lends itself very well to research. Well, despite so the fact you're call, calling me brilliant, with, with which I do agree, your other point, I do not agree. I think you know it depends on the nature of the science and the research. And I think that a lot of research that's being done within um, uh, practice networks, Louis Castingay and other people are involved in that. And, and there's research practice networks where the practicing clinicians work with researchers and raise questions that they need to have answered and work with the researchers in developing research methods 
to address the clinical questions. And I think that is important. So I, I don't think it, I appreciate the, the flattery with the brilliance, but I think many practicing clinicians are just as brilliant as I am uh, in doing a case formulation. And they've learned from experience, but their experience, as uh, somebody once put it, is like a, um, a colander. You pour it in and it comes out the other side. It has no, it is, has very little impact on the research and the accumulation of knowledge. Uh, that, and I, I think this is, this is a, a socio-political, perhaps economic issue where we still fall back on our schools of thought and pit one against the other. I think practicing clinicians have seen stuff that is very valuable that can help us in our research, which can refine it and extend it. And, it, and if nothing else, if it doesn't extend it, at least corroborate it. And politically and economically, if the researchers come up and agree with a phenomenon that is seen clinically using a very different methodology, I think this can have a huge impact on, um, on therapy and, and people using therapy. Yeah, that's where we disagree. I don't think it's going to have any impact. So I, I'm very dubious about the idea that, re, and I know this is dear, near and dear to your heart. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm very dubious to the idea that research in psychotherapy will, from this point on, be an important impact on practice in psychotherapy. I just think that the variables are so complex in each therapeutic relationship that it's, it's an impossibly uh, complex research question that will never be answered well. And I, I trust much more to intuition and towards um, well, teaching than I would to research in, in terms of improving. If you will, therapy. Alan, I'd like to then uh, go back, listening to what you're saying. Let me reread what I read before, uh, that the individual does not believe that they have the ability to make the desired impact on the environment. And this is what I hear you saying which essentially is a depressive attitude. Um, and that may come from too many years of being involved in psychodynamic therapy and the pessimism of, uh, of life. And yeah, no, I, don't, I think it comes from being realistic that uh, depressive attitudes, pessimistic attitudes to the world turn out to usually be more realistic attitudes. I think it, it's a little bit of a triumph of hope over experience to think that at this point, we're suddenly going to have research answers that have eluded us to this point up to it, now. No, it's not going to be it's not going to be sudden. But hopefully it will make an hopefully the kinds of things we're talking about will make an, an impact on younger How professionals. How about describing the kinds of studies you would like to see done and the kinds of results that would make a difference? I'm sorry, say it again. How about maybe to make the, the discussion more concrete, perhaps describe the kinds of studies you would like to see done and the kinds of findings you think might impact practice. Okay. How about that for our next podcast? Well, we, we have a few minutes now if you want to take a start. No, I don't want to take a start. <laughs> okay, very good. But, but this okay. is interesting. Hopefully, you know, it'll make, it will make an impact 
on, on some people. But, but I agree with you. We've got to be more, uh, more specific. I mean, basically, what I'm trying to do is raise the consciousness of, of people so that they break away from our 40 years of clinical trials. And, with, and, with and, no, and, and, and so DSM. Yeah, next week we can take up, and I think it's a great topic, take up the role of research in psychotherapy. But I think where we can agree today, where there's a solid, important agreement, is we both believe that individual case formulation personalized to that person at this moment in their life, taking into account their thoughts, their emotions, their behaviors. We left out the depressions that are caused by loss, by grief by disappointments. That's another important factor right. in case formulation. Yes. yes. The formulation that touches the person where they live, that's experienced close. Absolutely. Is important, an important addition to what I think is also important to make sure they don't have uh, the kind of DSM diagnosis that may make psychotherapy difficult or impossible. Yeah. That all the things that need to be ruled out before you get to thinking about it. Right, this. and I'm more optimistic that research in its global sense exactly. can address the idiosyncratic notion. There's a very famous researcher who also believed that. His name was B.F. Skinner. Uh, and he demonstrated, not with huge ends, uh, and, and made the comment that science can help us learn about human behavior or animal behavior, and that he was very much against group design. And his comment was, nobody goes to the circus to see the average dog jump through the average hoop. So he had some ideas about science that could deal with idiosyncratic functioning. And I look forward to next week's discussion. I Just to, to prepare you for what I'll be saying is, yeah. in, in um, opposition, is that in order to scientifically study something, you have to reduce it to its simplest components. Mm -hmm. The problem with human beings and with therapists and with psychotherapy is that they're all complex and with um, a lot of moving parts and millions of permutations. And I don't think the scientific method lends itself very well to the study of what goes on between two human beings. Well, Skinner would disagree with you. But he, he, he dealt with the simplest possible models. OK, so we'll see if we can apply that to clinical intervention. I'll be I'll be waiting. Okay. I look forward to it. Okay, take care. Take take care and stay safe. You too.